You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. We hope you're having a great day. We got a good show for you today. Today's guest is the fair manager for the Warren County Fair in Iowa, and she pulls double duty on the Iowa State Fair Board of Directors. She joins us today from Indianola. <laughs> I think I probably butchered that one. From Indianola, Iowa, this is Joe Reynolds. Joe, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. So did I completely butcher the name Indianola? You did not. You did very well. I did get it right. It's, you it's did. kind of a little bit of a tongue twister there. Uh, so you're listen, you're out there at the Warren County Fair. How'd you end up at the fair? Boy, that's a long story, and it goes back a lot of years. Um, my, actually, I'm third generation uh, fair manager. My grandfather and 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 dad did it before me. Um, we have a unique situation here at the Warren County Fair. We have a privately owned grounds, and we have two fair boards. We have, have one. Two, you have two fair boards. We do. We have one fair board that actually owns the grounds and the buildings and decides what happens 51 weeks of the year. And then the other fair board that puts on the fair rents or leases the ground for $1 from that board to put on the annual fair event during uh, one week in July. That's a pretty good price there, Joe. I, I don't know many markets that you could lease grounds for a dollar. It, it's well worth the money. We weren't <laughs> out much last year during the pandemic. I, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So you're third generation. Yes. Uh, and what did you, what did you do prior to coming to the fair? Well, I, I've basically grown up on the fairgrounds because of, of that it. third generation um, with my dad was as the fair manager and mom, basically a secretary. Uh, we just kind of followed around for them around and, and did what they did. And I remember thinking back that dad always said, you can't be a good fair manager unless you've worked every aspect on the grounds because you need to see it from, from every, through everyone's eyes and basically started doing that. And I started parking campers, I think on the grounds, we, we host about 90 campers. And I started that at about 16 years of age. And I hate to tell you how many years ago that was, but it was quite a few. It was only and, about 10 years ago. Come yeah. on, Joe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we were both 10 years old, just if you're 16, just 10 years ago. <laughs> the head young. says yes. And the body says no part of the time. Um, but then uh, we were sitting at the Association of Iowa Fairs uh, annual convention. And my dad, who was the fair manager then, looked across the table at me after listening to the Iowa State Fair Queen get up and visit. And he said, we don't have a queen contest in Warren County, but now we do because you're going to chair it. And so he po pointed his finger at two of us across the table and started working with that in 1982. Wow. And it, it was always fun. I, I enjoyed the behind the scenes work working with the people and setting up the commercial booth exhibitors and that type of thing. And it just kind of stuck. Uh, I also managed the racetrack on the grounds for about seven or eight years. And we did figure eight racing and it made a lot of money for the fair. That was, that was the main goal of that. And then I kind of worked into um, working a little bit closer with dad. And unfortunately in 19, 99, my dad came down with or uh, had cancer, and he mm -hmm. passed away very suddenly three days before the fair would start. That created a little bit of uh, anxiety, but they made me acting manager at that point. I was oh. 35 years old and uh, never really looked back, I guess, 
just kind of took off and, and people embraced the idea. I was the first woman manager, which, and being young, uh, had its own set of challenges, but um, it's been very rewarding. I've loved every minute of it. Wow. It's funny how fairs do really become our whole lives. When you share that story about your dad, it, it reminds me of, I think it was Courtney Conkle from the Wyoming State Fair when she was telling the story that she says she was basically born on a fairgrounds. I think it was at San Jose County in California. Her mom was working the fair, left, had the baby, and had Courtney and came right back to the fair. And then on the other end of things, here's your father who serves for a fair for so long, and then three days before it opens, he passes. It, this this is the type of industry that is a it's a whole life thing. It, it's This is not like a typical business. It's just very different. So tell us a little bit about your fair. When does it run? What's the attendance? That type of thing. We start, we're typically the last week of July. This year will be July 28th through August 2nd. And this is the latest we'll be. And then we work our way back up the calendar. Um, we, once again, we don't have um, a fenced in grounds. And we are landlocked with the city around us. We have 40 acres, basically right in the middle of, of town. Um, we didn't used to be that, of course, but they have grown around us. And we we have no fence. And so we don't charge for parking and we don't charge for admission. But we estimate with the grandstand and some other factors they can do by drone, I guess, uh, about thirty to 35,000 people a, a week come through. That's pretty... Uh pretty good little little fair you got going on for on fairly small acreage um what kind of i mean you have a, you know obviously full carnival uh expo hall typical fair stuff what kind of entertainment do you guys typically bring out there to the fair well what we've learned here in warren county is we do not have the opportunity to provide music events we are basically known as a motor motorsport venue and we're okay. set up for that so we concentrate on the monster trucks uh, figure eight racing, demo derby, tractor pulls, that type of thing. And I think that comes a lot with being so close to the capital city of Des Moines. We have a lot of large venues. The um, There's several different halls in, in Des Moines. And then we have several casinos that bring in a lot of uh, music entertainment. So we shy away from that a little bit. Um, our free stage has uh, uh, multiple um artists coming in uh, different bands from local and and from away yeah. to provide a, another option for those that don't want the motorsports in the grandstand sure so it sounds like you guys you know what you are and you play to those strengths so if a new family was going to come out to your fair and they called you up and said hey we just moved into the area we want to come to the fair what are three must-do experiences at your fair i think the three must do would be, I w depending on where they're from and what experience they had in ag education, I would invite them to um, what we have, we call little farm hands and let them take their family and their children through the experiences that uh, Farm Bureau sponsors for us and, and picking apples and pulling eggs and that type of thing. I would, I would have them go through there. I would encourage them to watch our livestock shows we are still one of the largest um, fairs in the area that that have um, a tremendous amount of livestock, and the competition here is, is pretty steep. It, it's it's really nice to see that. So I would tell them to do that, and then and then I would tell them to pick a grandstand show of their choice, whatever works for them. But I think those are the 
the three. And then, of course, you've got to eat in the middle of all of that to try all the oh, wonderful fair food. Of course, we have fairs for the food because we like eating unhealthy fried stuff uh, uh, here and there throughout the year. And, you know, I'm down here at the Clay currently as we're recording this at the Clay County Fair in Florida. And there's so much good food here. I, I've missed it. I've definitely missed it. Um, you know, 2020 was a challenge. We didn't all get our fair food. So I wanted to touch on that real briefly. Looking back at 2020, from what I read in, and from us talking ahead of time, it seems like you had to cancel your more traditional fair, but I believe you read, I read you did the livestock show still. Is that correct? We did. We had a so show and go. Take us through that process of having to make the decision of pulling the plug on the full fair and still doing the livestock show. You know, I think it was probably one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. And, and I, I had the opportunity to be so involved in the um, IAFE that a lot of information was coming down very quickly. And we were finding ourselves on the board having weekly meetings by Zoom and having Zoom meetings. Uh, it was a, a challenge for many to, to get used to. Uh, and I think it took a while for my board to even get their head wrapped around the fact that we could and should cancel a fair. After 165 years of fairs, they, they were reluctant, but understood the safety issues. Um, I think when we were talking about it, the main thing that came up over and over was, what will those exhibitors do with their livestock? They've worked all year. It, it wasn't really obviously their fault. There are a few species that they could have chosen not to purchase because it was happening there in March. But for the most part, the cattle and things were already on feed and, and we hated to see those senior kids miss out on their last year. So we were able to work around and have a show and go where they brought their livestock in. They showed that day and went home that day. But it, it wasn't a full fair feeling. We didn't have any food. We didn't we didn't have the carnival, nothing, but just the livestock shows. Yeah, it definitely changes the vibe of what's going on on the fairgrounds. But I really admire all the fairs, as I've said multiple times on the show, as cancellations came down last year and announcements were made on Facebook, there was no, none of the fair guests were out there going, but what about the magician and the juggler? Or what about the, you know, what, what about the corn dogs? They all, they all wanted to know what about the kids and their livestock shows. And, and so many fairs were able to come through and get those events in for the kids. And I really, I'm very glad that was able to happen. Me too. I, I feel like we had, we were able to offer something. I was giving a radio uh, interview right before the fair. And the gentleman asked me, what did I think that the, the kids would miss the fair? And I had just had an experience right before that with a young man who um uh, who had come into my office and told me that, you know, you can, you can have this show and go, but he said, I can do that anywhere. He said, I can go to a one day horse show wherever I want to go. But he said, I like sitting on the show box. I want to hear the sights and smell. And he said, um, I, I'm really going to miss this my senior year. So we know how much it meant. And I know there's been talk about, uh, through the FFA and 4-H, whether those kids that were basically redshirted last year, could they come back and show again? I don't think there's been any progress made on that, but. Sure. Sure. And that's, you know, decisions at higher levels and different levels than, than we're at. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's just one of those, maybe it's one of those situations where it helps our kids learn some resiliency um, for most of our young people. COVID's the first time in their lives. They've really um, been, punched in the mouth you know we've we have all we've dealt with things whether it was 
financial crisis or 9-11 or, or, you know, Desert Storm or Vietnam, or we've all dealt with these major issues in our lives. And for our young people, you know, maybe we, we look at the positive on this, that there's some resiliency that gets built up. And the next thing in their lives that happens, they go, oh, well, we handled COVID. We can handle this, you know. We, we all sure learned that word pivot, I think. Oh, was- God. Pivot, <laughs> social distance. I don't like pivot. I prefer the word phys. I'll be physically. Aaron Alejandro, who's the head of the Texas FFA Foundation, I had him on the show early in the season, and he, his words were, I'm not going to be socially. I'm still going to be social. I'm not going to be socially distant. I'll be physically distant, but I'm not going to be socially distant. And that's been the feeling of a lot of people we've spoken with. They're tired of hearing pivot. They're tired of hearing, you know, uh, social distance. They're tired of hearing anything about COVID. They want to move on. Um, and that's, I am glad to be down here in Florida and be seeing some movement. Cause I know it has to be just a, for them to cancel last year. I'm pretty, pretty close with the fair manager. I know it was a gut wrenching decision it, out there at Warren County. How'd it feel when the board finally takes the vote? Cause you said they weren't even really open to even canceling. They, that wasn't something they considered when the vote finally comes down and, and it's done. What's the feeling in the room when that happens? It, it, I think the the best word was gut wrenching that you just used. I, I I don't think I've ever felt like that. We felt a loss, and I remember Marla Calico telling us, it, "You have to go through a grieving process," and and I think we all needed that. Um, but it was it, it was really a, a very very tough decision. I, I hope we never have to go through that again. Um, yeah, and, and I, I, think, I completely agree. I think the board was was still in disbelief even even after that, that, that they could make that decision. But it was unanimous in the end. They knew it was the right thing to do, even though we certainly didn't want to. Of course. Um, you know, you hope you never have to do it again, but your 2021 fair is coming up here this summer. And as we move into 21, there's a lot of states and a lot, of, I'm not sure how it is in your area, that there's still restrictions because of the pandemic. And yet you're trying to figure out how to plan for a fair for 2021. Um, how do you go about planning for, you know, a 21 fair while you're still stuck in a pandemic? That's a great question. And we met uh, with our city manager, mayor, fire chief, and some of the city officials just last week. And there are three big events that go on in in our county um, at the same time primarily and one is the Des Moines Metro Opera and the National Balloon Classic and the fair and as we were sitting around the table talking about each of our events and what our plans were uh, several of them are are uh, limiting attendance they're still going to social distance they're going to provide masks if you feel comfortable one venue said that they would uh, require a vaccination before you can come Uh, Some of them were going to uh, simulcast possibly their show out on a lawn and, and put it out there for people. I guess when they got to me and they said, now, what are your plans for the fair? I took a deep breath and I said, we're going to have a full fair. And they kind of looked at me and I said, we're an outdoor venue. Last year, we were able to do a show and go. We had a lot of people on the grounds and unfortunately they didn't social distance as they probably should have. But we had no spike in cases after that. Uh, I said we are used to taking care of animals and and having uh, taking care of animal diseases, and we just stepped it up a little bit for humans. So I told them we're we're 
are going to go ahead. And he said, what about your grandstand? And I said, well, the governor opened it up and allowed racing last year. And we are primarily a racetrack. So I said, ah, we're going to go full force. And, and I told him I can't pay for those uh, acts or entertainment that we put out front unless I have a full grandstand. And I said, unless you're going to tell me today that I can't do that, we're going to go forward. And he said, no, he said, we'll have the proper PPE for our um, uh, employees and, and we'll go from there. So we basically got the blessing from them as of right now. I, obviously, we learned things can change, but um, we're, we're going full force planning for it. Well, I think if if we continue with vaccinations at the rate the CDC seems to indicate that the, the country is getting vaccinated at, there's several articles I've read that at this rate by they're saying by September, if we could be herd immunity for whatever sign again, not a scientist, just kind of regurgitating what I've read online for whatever that's worth. So if we're getting that far along, it feels like we can open. I mean, I'm down here at the Clay County Fair in, in Florida right now in Green Coast Springs. We're, you know, for context, we're recording this on April 5th. Um, some people wear masks. Uh, most people aren't at this fair. It's interesting when we were down in um, a week ago, I was at the Okeechobee County Fair, a little further south in Florida, way more mask wearing than there is here in Clay County. But people are washing their hands. People, my feelings always been, you know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, wash your hands, you know, take proper, you know, sanitation procedures. If you're not feeling well, stay home and go about life, move on. That's what I've been feeling from the beginning. I don't know if that's the right answer. Um, I do know looking nationwide at lockdowns that I think it's pretty clear the lockdowns have not had the intended effect that, and the side effects have been way worse, I think, than what the, um, the alternative is when you're talking about business people going out of business, um, you know, people falling into drug and alcohol and substance abuse because they've lost their business because they've lost everything. Um, you know, what, that's just what a wreck. What a wreck. But let's talk about your uh, your 2021 event. What are some of the plans you've got in place that you're you're looking at? You, you said you want to go full grandstand. Uh, what's some of the other things you're looking at for 21? We've actually added uh, another entertainment tent. We've got an entertainment zone, and we've added a few more acts um, in that area. We've got a free stage. We're... Um, we're going forward with more ag education. We figure we skipped a year, so we better double up, make sure people don't forget where they're, you know, they're, they're milk. coming from. Uh-huh. It yeah. still comes from a cow, not from the store. And um, we're, we're looking very forward to that. I think some other improvements that we're actually making, we're trying to, since we've had some downtime, we've added more ADA accessible sidewalks and walkways and, uh, just doing some general sprucing up. We've painted some buildings. We've we've done um, some maintenance that we had time to do, and and looking very forward to putting on a uh, a bigger event. Someone even asked if we should add an extra day to the fair, and uh, <laughs> an extra, just go for broke two weeks, Joe. Let's yeah. go fourteen day fair. <laughs> let's do it. I think there's some of us that would love that, but uh, uh, I'm not, not quite sure that we could pull that you, off. You would until about day nine, and then you'd be like, oh, my God. What did we just going. agree to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fantastic that you're able to do some more ADA work um, and and kind of revitalize the grounds a little bit. It's one of the things that as an entertainer and entertainers, we see things 
all across the country because we see, you know, a dozen or so fairs every year, a dozen to 20 fairs a year. And it, there's sometimes that I, it, I sit back and I wonder, and I know in some cases it's the fairs renting the ground. So it's not really theirs to spruce up and, and there's, there's limitations, but I always wonder when there's, I see the amount of money that can get spent on a fair. And then, you know, the, the, bathrooms are still 30 years old or the sidewalks are all cracked and broken and i just look at that that's all part of the guest experience that's not a judgment on the fair but i look at the total picture of like you know if you went to disney world how long would a cracked sidewalk be sitting there before it got fixed overnight not long yeah you know and i understand obviously that process for our fairs with budgets or like i say if they're renting the grounds if it's not actually their grounds there's different procedures they got to go through but um, I, I'm just glad to hear that you guys were fixing it up. Those those little touches, I think your um, uh, guests that uh, that have varying abilities will really appreciate that they can get around the grounds easier now on on their scooters or if they're in a wheelchair or whatnot. That they don't have to struggle over old bumpy asphalt or or trying to get through grass. Or I think that's fantastic that you guys were doing that. Well, and we even noticed that it was people, it was moms with strollers. It was, sure. it has a short-term um, ankle thing and they ride, ride those little bikes through there. We, we just noticed that um, there was um, a lot of, uh, a lot of that needed. And I, I threatened the board before we did this kind of, and I didn't really threaten, but told him, I said, I'm going to get wheelchairs and I'm going to put all of you in them and then have you traverse the grounds. And then I want you to see what it's like. Uh, we never really That's got fabulous. to that point. <laughs> that really, but you should have. And actually, you mentioned that it, it seems a little over the top to make a point, but um, I, you really should. I think any fair board member listening, if you never have, get yourself a scooter. You know, there's somebody around on your board or somebody's got one that you could borrow and drive around your grounds and see how easy it is to get around. Because you mentioned like the little bikes with the ankle thing. That was me last July because once my, my all my fares had canceled out, I've, I've been fighting with a, a partially healed broken ankle for the better part of a decade. And it was finally, you know, it's a six months to heal that. And I'm going, I can't just put my business and life on hold for six months. Well, COVID said, Hey, Robert, go get your ankle fixed. <laughs> so I did that. And it was, you're exactly right. When you start going out and you've got one of these scooters, you know, and you're in a parking lot, that's an old parking lot. So all the asphalt is pitted and bumpy and, and there's, you know, chunks of gravel on it it's hard to get through and you, you know, you're trying to heal an ankle. And so they're always like, don't bump it. You have to hold it still. And then you're on this thing going trying to get in and you're just scared. You're going to hurt your ankle. So you're completely right. I think fair boards, more fair boards should do that. You know, get in a, get in a wheelchair, get in a scooter and go look at the fair from their level because things change. You will all of a sudden realize my signage doesn't work. It's too high. Or my access to the, I thought I had better access to the bathroom, but the fact is the walkway is too narrow. It needs to be, you know, another three feet wide to help. All those things are fa fabulous. It only can Im improve the guest experience if you do that. Well, then we were even asked this year, thinking of that about restrooms, uh, someone came out and said, how come that one restroom doesn't have a baby changing table on the men's side? And um, it, it was an oversight. It just yep. didn't, didn't get put up. And, and so you, once again, we realized the things that, that we needed to do and yes. have taken time to fix that. Yep. My son is 10, but I can tell you when he was first born, I found just about every restroom possible that did not have the changing station in, in the men's room. Um, it, like note to businesses, dads take care of their, their children too. <laughs> we, it's not just moms that are changing diapers. Things have changed. 
Yeah, things sure. have definitely changed, and and I I I love being with my kid and and doing the dad things. It was it's funny to me when I remember once when um, one of the first points when Sarah went out after Nate was born, and she came home and she was she went out with some of her girlfriends and she comes back and she goes, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, they asked me well, where's Nate, and she said, well, he's home with Robert. And they just kind of looked with this momentary hesitation with this look of fear in their face. Like, really? You left him at home with his dad? <laughs> yeah, he's just fine. Dad can do this. Dads can take care of babies. Uh, it's just funny. I'm glad times are, are, are changing on that. Speaking of changes, uh, changing subject here. Let's talk trade show here for a second and convention. IFE recently announced 2022. They're making a change. We're going to Indianapolis. That's a little bit closer to you in Iowa. That's from what I understand. Looking at that Google Maps, it seems that it's a little closer to you guys. What do you think of Indianapolis? You know, there's been a lot of big events happen in Indianapolis. I know there's a lot to do from um, uh, the uh, NCAA tournaments, I believe. I know FFA conventions have been held there. And I hear there's a lot of good restaurants and in a lot of larger venues to visit. And, and I'm hoping we can pull something together like that and give a little plug to uh, Jeremy Parsons, who will be the, uh, the chair at that point out of Iowa. Yep. Um, I know he and his team will put together a, a, a good event for us. The exciting thing is, is the movement. You know, we, we will have been, well, three out of the four years in San Antonio to finish this year, but then moving. Um, each year, the next four years will be quite exciting. I, I got to tell you, I love the idea as someone who is an exhibitor and entertainer in this industry. And I go to the trade show every year. I love it. I told my wife, as I've mentioned before on the show, I told my wife when, when other entertainers were kind of hemming and hawing about, Oh, we're going to San Antonio. I was like, I love it. Let's go. Let's have a change of venue. And the reason was, I was convinced that after 40 some odd years in Las Vegas, all y'all on the fair side were starting to get blinders on because the trade show was the floor was the same every year. And it, it, it was an, it's an, we're an overwhelming trade show, quite frankly. We're nothing like CES or anything else. We are, we're loud. I mean, we've got giant robots and fortune machines and magicians and jugglers and stilt walkers and clowns. And it's just a very, it's a loud trade show. And then the, the carpet in Las Vegas was a very bright uh, um, and kind of overwhelming design. And I think you guys, my theory was you guys on that side of things would just get blinders on. You knew where you needed to go. You went in, you saw the seven or eight people, 10 people you needed to see. <clears throat> and then maybe you wandered through the aisles, but you didn't really see what was there. That was my theory. And I, I, I proved it correct the very first day of the trade show when we were in San Antonio. Linnell Smith from the Sydney Royal Easter show walks up to me and she goes, Oh, this conjure fortune machine. That's how does it work? And I tell her and she goes, that's really cool. And then she starts talking to me like she'd be interested in bringing me down to Sydney. And I'm like, wait, I, you bring acts all the way across the, the planet. And she was like, Oh yeah, we bring in two international acts every year. But the thing that proved my theory, right. She looks at it and she goes, how come I haven't seen this here before? And I said, well, I'm not sure if you've always been coming to the convention. And she said, oh, yeah, I've been coming for years and years. I said, well, it started at the convention in 2011. And she just looked at me like, wait, what? 
And I said, I knew it. You've walked by it every year and you never saw it just because it's so overwhelming. And now that not only is is the, the convention center, because you have just the base gray carpet in San Antonio, so it's not as loud in there. But because the floor got moved, everybody who was on the fair side walked through with a fresh set of eyes. That alone tells me it's worth it to move the convention every year. I don't even want my booth in the same spot. The whole priority point system, Steve Seaver, if you're listening, no longer has value. <laughs> There's more value in tossing the floor because it forces everybody to look at it with a fresh set of eyes. That's my theory. I think that's a great way of looking at it. I think I would do the same. Uh, make me curious. Make me uh, look a little harder and, and a little deeper at uh, the different acts and entertainers. Yep. Yep, that's uh, that's it. So, Steve, if you're listening, um, that's how we're going to do the trade show from now on. <laughs> we're just going to move everything every year. No, I think it's great, and I think it's um, I think it's really cool because I know we haven't been up. Obviously, the Midwest has been Vegas or San Antonio, and I feel like there's got to be a lot of small fairs, maybe your size or smaller fairs, that don't go to IFE necessarily because it is such a jump and they don't have a lot of money. But if you put the convention closer to where they're at, I think you're going to hit fairs that would never otherwise go to IFE. And so as you move around, I think you pick up a lot of those fairs. And I think I heard Jeremy tell that there's a pretty significant number of fairs within a, a driving distance of Indianapolis. And I think that will will definitely help those that um, maybe during pandemic times, if they don't have the funding right now, that maybe they can jump in the car and go instead of trying to get flights. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, excited for one more year in San Antonio. Hopefully the, you know, COVID chills out. I know Texas is you know, Governor uh, Abbott down there is getting working on getting everything open. Hopefully San Antonio is able to go. Um, and and I'll look forward to one more year down there before we uh, we move to Indianapolis. I'm curious, though, um, when you'd go to a trade show yourself, what kind of things catch your eye as a fair manager? I guess what I'm looking for is is something maybe a little different than what I had the year before. I'm looking for something fresh, something new. Um, I like the any more the interaction with kids. The week the more we can get the kids involved, anything with um, that pulls in ag education. Um, something that I, I guess I look for is something that that's. Once again, if it catches my eye at the trade show, it's probably going to catch my visitor's eye and trying to figure out how to marriage those two. And, and, and sometimes I may not always know what the crowd wants and you try to get it diverse enough that there's something there for everyone, I guess, is what I'm hoping. Well, that's always the hope. And, it, you know, it feels to me like from what you were you were describing earlier in the show, you know what your fair is and you know what your fair isn't. So that's got to be helpful when you go in and looking and you look for entertainment, knowing those parameters around your fair, it probably helps narrow down your choices. It does. And sometimes I actually feel bad as a fair manager when, you know, you've got this great rapport with an entertainer and you've had them two or three years, but you think I really need to change that. But it's really hard because you've developed that relationship and, and they're, they're good. Um, and then you have that certain segment, in my opinion, of, of the fairs that don't change anything. Whatever you've done, don't move in or change anything. And then there's the other segment that says, well, it's just the same every year. They, do, they just do the same thing. Right. So it, it's hard, once again, to, to figure out what to keep and what to, you know, even if you let them go for a couple of years, can you bring them right back and right. bring back that old favorite? 
Sure. Yeah, and I've I, you describe exactly the gambit of of fair managers and entertainment directors that I deal with every year. Um, he's he, you know, when you you go to a a fair, you get some of those that um, I was just telling the story to one of my friends here, one of the other performers at the Clay County Fair last night, Washington State Fair up in Puyallup. When I did that fair in 2010, they're a fair that they've got the same acts every year there's very little change and by every year i don't mean for like three years i mean for like 10 15 20 years and that was the year i guess that their normal hypnotist wasn't available and so they brought in i guess the the calendar changes as it does sometimes with fairs with leap years or whatnot so they bring in a different hypnotist and she did a great job for him but I'm a magician down on a different stage on the opposite end of the fairgrounds and people are coming and yelling at me. Why did you guys get rid of the, the hypnotist from last year? He was so good. He's always, and I'm sitting here going, what? I don't even know who you're talking about. <laughs> but that's so you do have, I guess every fair has just got to know their audience. And it, in the case of, of Puyallup and, and the Washington State Fair, Andrea knows that if she changes things up too much, He's going to hear it the entire time. And I think for us, it's, it's, it's trying to keep the old and then add the new and finding that new sponsor that might be out there willing to say, okay, if you are, if you are going to do something new, we'll help you with that. And so then it's retaining the old sponsors and, and trying to add new and keep it fresh. I guess we want to try to do that too. I will tell you this. I work over the years with a lot of jugglers and there's no better juggler than a fair manager or entertainment director trying to keep all those balls up in the air and make sure because it doesn't make sense if you go, oh, this guy, you know, this act is paid for by a, you know, a ten or $15,000 sponsorship. Oh, but we want to switch things up. And then the sponsor that's going to cover this act only wants to go in 5000 on their sponsorship. Then it's like, well, now what are we doing? <laughs> It'd be definitely, you are, you are a fabulous juggler, Joe. I can tell already. <laughs> Well, and, and you're so right that that about that, and and I know people say, well, I'll I will give you that five thousand toward that ten thousand dollar. Well, if everybody did that, I'm still going backwards. So I've uh, got to find find partners in the industry and people. Even through the pandemic, I feel they have been very generous. I have been completely surprised at some of the amounts of money that have already rolled in this year. And I was even surprised last year that a lot of our sponsorships had come in and most, I think I only had two businesses that asked for their money back. The rest of them said, use it toward your show and go Yeah, because we had no chance at making any income last year. So I have to give the the businesses credit um, for really stepping up and helping us out. Yeah, for sure. And, and one of the things that's been theorized and we'll see how that goes is that a lot of those sponsors who were essential businesses, your, your local grocer, your banks, your things like that, that were open while all the other mom and pop shops were forced to close, there may be some semblance of survivor's guilt among them. There tends to be some, there tends to be some talk about that. And they may be more than willing to say, you know what, we're going to up it by 5,000 this year because we did really well last year while everybody else was shut down and suffering. So, you know, instead of this 10,000, let's give you 20 this year. Let's do 50, you know, and some, I don't know, maybe that's an idea. Hit, hit up the essential businesses that got to stay open and be like, hey, you guys got to stay open. <laughs> you and never I know. Think many I mean, of, if, if there's yeah. a feeling there that of, um, 
of an obligation to supporting the community, then maybe, maybe there's more sponsorship money in there. I think many did. And I think many, to your point, exactly. So that's it's. I suppose there's a silver lining, even though it, it's hard to find sometimes. It it is. It's it's definitely a challenge to find, and but I think there's a lot of great silver linings out there. One of the biggest ones that I think I've seen is for the number of fair managers that I've spoken with, where they have articulated in some fashion that you know, our our board and and even our management side for had gotten to the point where there was a lot of well we've always done it that way going on. And it's easy when you find something that works to get comfortable and get complacent. But the problem with complacency is that thing that works really well in five years, all of a sudden you turn around and you go, we're not actually driving attendance on this thing anymore. And COVID has forced them to, there is no more, well, we've always done it that way. It's, we have to do it some way and all, all bets are off. And so we've spoken with fairs that said, you know, because we had to, you know, for our, our fair food drive-through, we had to spread vendors out or change the flow of things. All of a sudden we went, you know, if we do it this way, we can get traffic in through our parking lots way faster. Those little things that COVID is opening up are going to help our fairgrounds all across this country. I totally agree. And we looked at that um, even through uh, the eyes of the drone. That was something new that we had tried and, and, and look at traffic patterns and the flow of things. And uh, I, I think that it, it helped us make some changes that we needed to make. Yeah, it's I, I'm, I'm just glad that there's so many fairs that have opened up to go. This this is different and this even feels uncomfortable, but we're going to try it. And then when they go, holy cow, that worked. Let, you know, let's see if they they keep it. I mean, we I've, we've spoken with fair people that are like, we never thought of doing a fair food drive-through on the opposite end of the year from the fair. But now that's going to be a thing because the public loved it. Well, let's go for it. If that works and that you can do a weekend long event and generate more revenue for not only for your concessionaires, but for your grounds, everybody wins. And we keep that fair name out in front of people. So, so we're not forgotten. And I think that's important too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jill, listen, I'm really glad you could be on the show. We're just about out of time. Before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you a few quick questions here. You give me your best response. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you here on Zoom and you've got this nervous <laughs> look on your face like, oh my God, what's about to happen? All right. Question number one. This one's the hardest one. You ready? What's your ready. favorite? What's your favorite fair food? Cheese curds. Cheese curds. Question two, a movie is made about your life. Which actress plays you? I am the world's worst person to ask that question to because I don't pay any attention to those people. Um, I, I really have no idea. Fair enough. I have I, no I, idea is a good answer. I have no idea. Uh, last book you read? Uh, Who Moved My Cheese? That's a great book. It really is. We read it. My wife and I, we read that one a while back. Very good. Uh, name a fair that you haven't been to, but you would like to go see. I'm going to go see the Eastern States Exposition this fall, along with Topsfield and Freiburg. And I'm really excited about wow. those. Oh, that's a good trip right there. It's kind of a trifecta. A big time. Yes, yes, I dig it. Uh, if money was no issue, where's the first place you would travel after the pandemic is officially over? Back to Ireland. Back to Ireland. And last question. Speaking of the IEFE trade show, on the last day of the trade show, when you walk in, is your badge face forward or backwards? Oh, definitely forward. 
hit it head on. Hit it head on. She goes for it. I'm so <laughs> proud of you for saying that. The number of people I've asked that and then they crack this smile like he knows. <laughs> he knows the trick. <laughs> yes, if you're listening and you go in with your badge backwards, we all know the trick and, you know, it is what it is. It's actually more reflection on people in the trade show because we just hassle so many of you so much. <laughs> Just listen, if you're listening and you're a trade show exhibitor, just say, hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Don't shove something in somebody's hand. It's just not, I don't know. I do business differently. Well, a, a kind smile and a hello brings me in quicker than, than uh, overdone because yeah. I, I always wonder what that's going to be on my fairgrounds. So uh, I, I look at it a little differently. You hear that, people? If you are the one standing in the aisle cramming your flyers and DVDs in people's hands, a fair manager's hands, there are fair managers that think if he's this annoying here, what is he going to be like on my fairgrounds? Start with a simple hello and a smile. It's a real good way to, to break the ice. I totally agree with you. That, that's what I look for. Awesome. Joe, if folks want to reach out and get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, my email is joe, J-O, at warren, W-A-R-R-E-N, C-O for county, fair, F-A-I-R, dot com. And my, I don't mind giving my office number, is 515-961-6687. Awesome. Joe Reynolds, fair manager for the Warren County Fair in Indianola, Iowa. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been nice to visit with you. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.